This morning, I want to get you caught up on your Bible reading. Because I have a feeling that in the summer months, perhaps, you have strayed from your daily Bible reading. So we are going to read the entire first chapter of the book of Ruth. And we're going to be in the book of Ruth for the next six weeks. It's a four-chapter book. But this morning, we will read the first chapter of the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Moab was a neighboring country about 30 miles from where they were in Judah. The name's man was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left with her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from me. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. 
When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has inflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So today we start our summer series on the book of Ruth. And it is a book that is easy to miss in your Bible. In my Bible, the book of Ruth, the entire book is only two pages. It's tucked between the book of Judges and the book of First Samuel. And the book of Ruth begins like a novel by Charles Dickens, a tale of two cities. And you may know the opening words to this famous novel. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Only in the book of Ruth, it was just the worst of times. The time was over a thousand years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Judges ruled over Israel. And when you read the book of Judges, we have this story that repeats itself over and over again during the time of Judges. The people did evil in God's eyes. They turned and they rebelled against God. God sent judgment. The people suffered. The people repented. They returned to the Lord. And then it happened all over again. It was a time of lawlessness, a time of civil war, a time of tribal invasions, and a time of widespread wickedness and rebellion against God in the land of Israel, the time of the judges. And to make things even worse, in the worst of times, we read in the book of Ruth that there was a famine in the land. There was no food. And so the people of God are facing starvation. And I know food insecurity is a major problem in our nation, but personally, I have never faced the prospect of starvation. I don't know if you have, but they are facing the prospect of starvation. And they're in the town, this little tiny farming village in southern Israel, the town of Bethlehem. And the ironic thing is that the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And so the writer of Ruth is telling us in the house of bread, there is no bread. The cupboard is empty. And we're introduced to a family of four living in Bethlehem. Elimelech is the father. His, his name means God is my king. Naomi is his wife and the mother of their two sons. Her name is lovely and pleasant. And so we have this family of four good Jewish names. God is king, lovely and pleasant. But the names of their sons actually gives us a hint of what is to come for Elimelech and Naomi. Malin and Killian. Malin and Killian mean hungry and sickly. I don't know what Naomi and Elimelech were thinking when they gave them those names, but these, these words are, are being fulfilled, hungry and sickly. And in the worst of times, in hunger and sickliness, Elimelech had a decision to make. 
Do I stay or do I go? Do we wait on God and pray for God to provide bread in the house of bread? Or do we go to a foreign land to search for food elsewhere? No one wants to have to face a decision like this decision, but in the worst of times, Elimelech has to make this decision. And it's all about his family's survival. And so Elimelech decides to search for food in the country of Moab. And for us, it it seems logical, it seems practical. Perhaps he heard of greener pastures in the nation of Moab, and so you got to do what you got to do, right? Amen? Well, there's a bit of an issue with our practicality this morning. Moab was a pagan land worshiping foreign gods. Moabite women had lured Israelite men away from worship of Yahweh to the worship of false gods. It was a hostile place for Jews. There had been a history of oppression and conquering. But here's really the thing that complicates the issue. The Word of God forbids the Israelite people from living in a foreign land. So the fact that Elimelech was willing to take his family away from God's people in Israel, away from God's presence in Israel to a foreign land, sort of shows a wishy-washy spiritual commitment. It's also a biblical compromise. And, And I understand it, right? We all understand it. We can empathize with Elimelech, but he did have a choice. He could have waited on God and done things God's way, or he could have done things his way according to his own insights and his own wisdom in violation of God's word. And that's precisely what Elimelech did. And perhaps it feels like when we compromise with biblical principles for greener pastures that it will work out in the short term, but in the long term, it'll never work out. And it doesn't work out for Elimelech. We learn in the next verse that Elimelech dies in Moab. So the move was to assure the survival of his family, but he dies. And we don't know why he dies, if it was natural causes, if it was violence, if if it was God smiting him for his sin. The Bible's silent on that, but he dies and Naomi's widowed. And I have to tell you that being widowed is, is, is hard. You know that. And the ancient readers would have been able to empathize with, with the difficulty of losing a spouse. But in the same breath, these ancient readers, the people, the Jews and the Christians who first heard this story of Ruth in the old days, they would have empathized and, and grieved with Naomi, but in the same breath, they would have breathed a sigh of relief and it would have been this sigh of relief. <sighs> At least she has her two sons to take care of her. And in the ancient world, a widow was vulnerable. There was no social welfare programs, no government programs. She was facing extinction without her sons to care for her, but she still had her two sons to care for her. And when it came time for her two Jewish sons to find wives, instead of making the 30 to 50 mile trek back to Israel to find good Jewish wives, they married Moabite women. Orpah, who I want to call Oprah, and I may, so forgive me over the next six weeks. Orpah was one of the Moabite wives, and the other Moabite wife, her name was Ruth. And Ruth, of course, will become our main character, and we'll focus on her more next week. But guess what? You may not be surprised. Deuteronomy 7.3. 
the law of Moses forbids taking foreign wives. So here's another sign of their wishy-washy spiritual commitment, another biblical compromise. And after 10 years of marriage with no grandchildren, Naomi's two sons died. They're dead. She's in a tough place, church. If anyone has reason to despair, it is Naomi. So you can just take a second and think about that tough place and, and what it looked like. And it might have been during COVID that you suffered trials and traumas and, and losses. It may have been before that. But when you think of the point in your life where you were at your lowest of your low, that's where Naomi is at. And she's uncertain of even her survival. And not only is she grieving the loss of her sons and her husband, it's the loss, it's the death of her family line. And in Israel, at this time, the greatest tragedy was the death of your family line. So she's hurting, she's grieving. And the Bible doesn't tell us why. Isn't, is, can't we relate to that? <laughs> Don't you wanna know why? You're experiencing sickness, death, and difficulty, and the first question you have for God is, why? Why is this happening? And perhaps you try to make sense of what's happening to you or why it happened to you. You look for reasons and for answers. And in the book of Ruth, the word of God is silent. There is no why. And often in our experience, God is silent. There is no why. We don't know the why. And the, the, the decision that Naomi faces is a big decision. And this is what happens when we lose people that we love. When our, when our family life is turned upside down, we have to face big decisions. And this is what Naomi is facing. And can you just see how we are involved in the story of the Bible? That in this story of Ruth, it's also our story that human experience transcends generations and time and chronology. We're still experiencing the same things today. Someone dies and you ask yourself, your spouse dies and you, your child dies and you ask yourself, do I stay or do I go? Do, is it time for me to move? What do I do? We weigh the pros and the cons of staying and going. There's just major changes in her life. It's a moment of big decision and indecision. And often we ask, where is God when everything's going wrong? But I can tell you that, that God is with Naomi. He doesn't answer the why question, but, but God is active. We have the first report of God's action in the midst of the worst of times as Naomi is facing this moment of decision and indecision. It's not a burning bush. It's not a parted sea. It's not a trembling mountain. It's not a resurrection from the dead, which is probably what she hoped for. It's not the visible hand of God moving, it's the invisible hand of God. God is moving through ordinary events to turn her life around. And this is how God so often moves in our lives. And we may call them coincidences, we may call it serendipity, we may call it fate, but it's the invisible hand of God working through ordinary events to move us into our purpose and to move us into our destiny and to even redeem our lives in 
the worst of times. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, church, is that in the worst of times, God is not absent. God is moving to redeem our lives and God is moving behind the scenes and we have no idea that God is working out his plan and his purpose, yet God is doing it in subtle and hidden and ordinary ways. Isn't that how God so often works? I want the healing, I want the resurrection, I want the burning bush, speak to me, Lord. And God says, I'm gonna do it hiddenly and subtly in ordinary ways. And this is how God moves to redeem Naomi's life in the worst of time. And it's easily missed. The action that God takes in the scripture, I bet that you wouldn't even attribute to God. In the ages of meteorology, weather reports, study of of climate we would just say that this is a natural occurrence it's just an event but this ordinary event is the invisible hand of god verse 6 tells us that the lord came to the aid of his people by providing food for them god made it rain god provided food the house of bread was getting prepared to be filled again with bread And in this moment of decision, in God's providence, God gave Naomi this nudge by assuring that Naomi heard about God's provision in Bethlehem. At the perfect time, at just the right time, God assured in God's providence that Naomi got this news that there was bread in the house of bread in Bethlehem. And so this was the nudge that she needed to move back to Bethlehem because it was in Bethlehem that God was planning to redeem her life. It was in Bethlehem that God was planning to redeem the life of Ruth. And so verse 6 tells us when Naomi heard that in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. She heard that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, and she believed it. She believed that that God was doing something good for God's people, and she believed it. And we know that she believed it because she got up and she went to Bethlehem. It's really easy in the worst of times and difficulty to stop believing in the goodness of God. And and we come to a a crisis in our faith, right? And we we may say, I I still believe in a God. I, I still believe that there's a God at work, but we lose faith in the goodness of God. We lose faith, the the crisis, the worst of times, the tragedy challenges, attacks our faith and makes us question, is God still good? Is God still doing good things in this world because my world is falling apart? And Naomi can believe in faith that the Lord has come to the aid of his people even in the worst of times. She's still, there's still a part of her that believes in the goodness of God, that God is doing good things in the world. And so I want to encourage you this morning, and even if you're not going through something difficult right now, I want to encourage you to encourage someone else who might be, to acknowledge the goodness of God in difficult times. Start by acknowledging that the Lord is the Lord who comes to your aid. Yes, life is hard right now, but the Lord comes to my aid. The Lord is my helper. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of an exercise to make you feel a little bit weird at the grocery store. How do you like the sound of that? The Lord had provided food. Naomi saw it as the Lord providing food. Next time you're in the grocery store, when you grab your cereal, 
drop it in your cart. Say, thank you, Lord, you provided my food. The next time you grab your, your ice cream, and I know you asked the Lord to, to help you resist temptation, you can grab it and give thanks to the Lord for all things, right, amen? Thank the Lord. God's goodness is around us even in the worst of times. And so we can grow in our faith by acknowledging God's goodness. The Lord is my helper. The Lord, where is God in this? The Lord has come to my aid. Number two, the second thing that Naomi does in the worst of times, Naomi blesses others. I know for me, when I'm going through something difficult, I become Mr. self absorbed. I am blind to the needs of people around me because it's all about what I'm going through. And oh, by the way, no one can possibly understand. You know what Naomi does? She takes Ruth and Orpah. They walk down the road in Moab and in verses 8 and 9 she says to them, go back each of you to your mother's home. She's thinking about their best interests in the worst of times. She knows as Moabite women, it would be very difficult for them to go to Bethlehem, a land that is not their own. That it would be better for them to perhaps easier to stay in Moab. And, but, but Naomi is not thinking about herself. She's thinking about what's best for her daughters-in-law. And then she blesses them. She prays for them. She's going through something and she's blessing others and praying for others. You want relief from, from, from difficulty and sadness? Make it a point to bless others and to pray for others. This is what she says in verse 8. May the Lord show kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. You're going through something. You can still be a blessing to others. You can still pray for them. You can still look out for their best interests. Verse 14, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So Orpah, she sees the writing on the wall. She gets the blessing. Orpah's gone. And we're going to talk about this next week. But she's out. She makes a practical, logical decision. God bless her. But Ruth clung to her. And Ruth, I can't wait to talk about this next week. Ruth is the friend that you always wanted. And Ruth is the friend that you want to be to another human being. Ruth is... Uh, just astounding her loyalty and her faithfulness this is what she says to her don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you Naomi where you go I will go where you stay I will stay your people will be my people your God will be my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried this is hardcore and then she does this she, she brings a curse upon herself if she breaks her vow. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And so finally, Naomi stops urging her. Here's the third thing to do in the worst of times. Accept help. I know our pride wants us to be independent. Our pride tells us... I don't need anybody's help. I can, I can go on my own, but why? One of the ways that God moves in difficulty is God sends you human helpers. And, and I know you think it's just a, a person being a good person. No, no, no. This is the hand of God sending you a support system. And everyone who offers to help, maybe not, you know, use discernment. Maybe that's not the person to let into your life. I'm not saying that. But in this case, this is God. Sending human help. Where is God in my suffering? God is sending you a helper. 
Sometimes we have to humble ourselves and recognize that we need God's help. And God is putting a person before us and our instinct is to keep them away, right? Throw them, throw them away, leave them outside. And God's saying, let them in, you need the help. This is how I'm gonna get you to Bethlehem. This is, this is part of the way that I'm going to redeem your life, Naomi. And so Naomi accepts God's help. She accepts God's helper. And God comes to her aid through ordinary people. God comes to our aid in difficulty through ordinary people. And here's the last thing. In the worst of times, Naomi has the courage to be honest. She tells it like it is. She's not pretending that she's okay. And it's not Naomi going on Facebook or going on Instagram and announcing it to the whole world. No, no, no. Naomi and Ruth make it back to Bethlehem. She is within her community of faith. We can say that she's surrounded by her church family, her, her brothers and her sisters. She's with God's people. And Naomi, when she gets back to Bethlehem, she immediately goes to the DMV and she changes her name. She says, call me Mara. My name's Mara. My name's bitter because I'm angry. I'm bitter. God has hurt me. I'm going through something. This is how I feel. I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve. I'm not pretending. I'm not faking it. I'm being honest about what I'm going through. And I encourage you to be honest with a trusted brother, sister in Christ, because through honesty comes healing. When we bring the darkness and the light, when we, even when we bring our bad theology, God is my enemy, God is harming me, when we bring that stuff into the light, it becomes light. People can truth, speak truth to the lies that we're believing about our lives, about ourselves, about our hopelessness and our despair. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going through something difficult, the worst of times, to be honest. Who's your community of faith? And, and if you're watching online and you haven't been back to in-person worship, Find your community of faith. I encourage you to come back, of course, and, and to, find, to be honest and to find healing that we would find healing together. But also, maybe you just need to reach out today via email to someone or via text or make a phone call. And you need to be honest so that you can find healing. That's what Naomi's doing. My family's dead. I'm devastated. I'm empty. And I'm angry with God. So my prayer is that we would be a church where we can be honest and find healing together. And I can't give away the rest of the story, okay? Because we have five more weeks. I, I want to encourage you to read the book of Ruth. But I'm not going to give it away. I, I so want to. But, but what you need to know today is that Naomi thought that she hit a dead end. She wasn't sure that, that she could ever recover. She thought that she was in a place in her life that her best days were behind her and that there was no hope for anything better. And God starts to move subtly, hiddenly, through ordinary events and people, and God is getting ready to turn her life around. She's going to be restored and redeemed. Ruth's life is going to be restored and redeemed. And through this family line, King David will be born, and Jesus Christ will be birthed in Bethlehem. And that's my hope for you, if you're going through something difficult, that you would see that God is sustaining you, that God has come to your aid, that, that you would respond to that in some ways the way that Naomi responded, and also that you would have hope that Jesus Christ 
will be birthed in your life for your good and for God's glory. Amen.